0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you on a very, very cold morning. I was, you know, I've only just got over shivering, I think. It's only a 10 minute walk, but it gets in your bones, doesn't it? Um, I have a 14 year old son, Some of you may know. Uh, and when you get to the age of 14, you begin to, I get challenged for my place on the sofa. Challenge your dad, don't you? He, uh, sort of, he, he will sit there and fold his arms and challenge me to get him off but there's always the threat of a tickle and that always seems to work <laughs> but we uh, we do come uh, up against challenges don't we in our family relationships and i, I suppose uh, we're about to go through the period of uh, making choices for his next subjects and you know as a parent you kind of see in your child you see some areas that you think could be a talent maybe a gifting Maybe you like to see things of yourself in your child and you say wouldn't it be good if that was was brought out But we try and find the gifting we try and find the potential And we try and make sure that it's realized to to leave the potential in your children would be a terrible thing of them to somehow we kind of expect them to to uh, emerge from them without encouragement and without direction uh, we want to direct our children and uh, those of us who haven't had children will know the experience of Their parents seeking to direct them however Imperfectly that may be and I know we've all got experience of fathers either being one or having one uh, And it's not always a great experience But the best experience we've ever known of being fathered or of being a father is only a pale reflection of the experience of being fathered by our heavenly father who knows us absolutely who sees all that fantastic potential locked inside of us because he put it there and his desire is for that to come out and flourish and be lived among us and lived out in that world so let's have a look at this uh, this passage There's lots of songs about how I get so excited Lord every time I realize I'm forgiven Uh, Lots of songs about the love and the comfort of God I don't think too many have written songs about the discipline how we love the discipline of God haven't heard that one yet (laughs) Maybe we could have a go at writing one up. It's not a subject that kind of we feel drawn to particularly is it discipline sounds sounds like something we would rather maybe put off to another time But if we think about the context of of this book and the people to whom it was written, it was written to uh, a community of Jews who had become Christians. And uh, they became Christians, and from then on, life was fantastic and easy. Uh, No, it wasn't. Sadly, not. Sadly, not. Before we get to our passage, the writer says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light. When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. Other times you stood by those who were in prison. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. The promise of following God is not that life becomes easy and straightforward and simple and comfortable Actually, it's quite the reverse But God is in it with us and we have a greater possession a greater future a greater hope that we look to that we come through the trials of life the things that people say about us, the things that people do to us, perhaps purely because we're a follower of him. There are many people who have died over history and are dying even now because they hold on to the name of Jesus and they won't let go because they know that that is the greater thing, (coughs) that all that this world can throw at us is nothing compared to the love of God and knowing him. So, we're not one of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So, the writer says, in the face of the suffering that you experience, don't be perplexed by it. Don't lose your confidence, because actually, this is a normal part of life and we're to expect it. In our passage, and you may want to turn to it in Hebrews 12. In your struggle against sin you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood, but have you forgotten? You Jews that God said it was going to be like this all along Have you forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? And it says from Proverbs 3 my son don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves And so the suffering that they experienced that these young Christians were becoming perplexed by, thinking, well, I've become a Christian. I've given my life to God. Why is life so hard? It just doesn't seem right. But God said, no, it's gonna be like that. And I'm not the author as God. I'm not the one who's persecuting you. I'm not the author of your suffering but i will take it and i will use it to make you into the people that i want you to be and i think there's three things that god can do through his discipline for us and one i suppose the thing we always suspect when we're going through a hard time is is god trying to correct me is god trying to correct something in my life is there some sin in my life that i am tolerating or that i'm just um refusing to change and god can use suffering and and hardship on us to make us examine ourselves and say well actually is there something that i need to confess something that i need to change in one corinthians where um, the young christians were were treating communion without the right proper degree of respect. They were frivolous about the way that they approach the Lord's suffer. Paul said, some of you are sick because of that. And some of you have died. For God, we need to be serious. And we need to examine our hearts and say, God, is there something that you are trying to correct in my life through this suffering? So we focus not on the suffering itself, but we consider him. Not so much why am I suffering? But what is God going to teach me through this? And it may not be correction. Sinless people suffer. So, in the story of Job, Job suffered and lost everything. And his so called friends around him said, Well, you must be sinning. So there's something in your life. You're keeping it quiet. It's obvious this wouldn't be happening to you if you were righteous. But he was. That wasn't what God was showing Job through that experience. And I suppose we're tempted, aren't we, to to revert to to blame and, and think it's correction and think there's something wrong in me. But actually, that's not always the case by any means. It can be prevention and protection. Maybe in our life we're straying a little bit too close to people and places that are going to take us away from him. Maybe we're on the edge of compromise. Maybe we need to have the boundaries restored. Just as with our children, they need boundaries. So do we, and sometimes we need reminding where they are. Might be at home with the internet. Do you put restrictions on the, what you can access? Do you yourself guard what you're looking at? What programs you're watching? Things there you may be slightly edged towards ways which you know aren't right, but you excuse them for yourself But actually God can use challenges and suffering in our life that might be of anything it might be illness It might be economics. It might be trouble finding a job It might be stuck in a job that you can't you can't stand and you think oh, not so much. Why is this happening? But what is God saying? and maybe god is seeking to protect you by drawing you back to him paul in in uh, uh, again in two corinthians he talks about how or one corinthians he talks about how he had a, a thorn in his side and he asked god three times for it to be taken away and god said no because it prevents you from becoming conceited and so paul accepted it and rejoiced in it and realized that god's Purpose was coming out of the suffering that he experienced, that there was a place for that in his life, and it was important because it enabled him to be the person that God wanted him to be. At the start of uh, of two Corinthians, Paul gives this litany of sufferings that he's been through. Because of Jesus because he's a Christian not for any other reason, but because he's doing the will of God And so he put himself in harm's way and all manner of sufferings happened to him You know what he drew from that was that enabled him to be a comfort to others because he Experienced the comfort of God in his sufferings and so therefore could give it out That actually sometimes the suffering that we might experience, the hard times that perplex us, are actually there equipping us so that we can go into those difficult places with others who don't know him and show them who he is. Imagine suffering without the love and the knowledge of God. What a a dark place that must be. But God equips us, God appoints us to take his love into those places. And that's hard, isn't it? Because when we are suffering, and we all have, and some of us have suffered far beyond what you think you could take. But actually it's not the why, it's the what is God going to do with you through that. What is God saying to you through that? How can he use you to take the love and comfort of God that you've found in that hard place and take it to those who don't know it? there's some proofs in suffering as well not just purpose the lord disciplines those he loves he punishes everyone he accepts as a son The great thing is is that actually god really really wants to make us the best we can be for our potential in him to be realized and he does it out of love doesn't do it out of punishment It's not doing out of trying to withdraw things from us. He wants us to have life, to have life abundantly. But we can only do that if we know him and are at peace and are free from sin. And so his purpose is absolutely driven out of his love and care for us. That he's written his law in our hearts he sent his son to die for us because we are so precious and says consider him when you are feeling lack of courage consider him when you're beginning to shrink and see where he went for you and took the most appalling unimaginable suffering for you to make you right with him our sufferings not about getting uh, dealing with our sin being forgiven. Jesus has done that our suffering is about refining us and disciplining us and setting the boundaries Protecting us and also revealing perhaps to us the love of God at the end of the story of Job Job says before I saw you now. I know you He'd been into such a dark and difficult place, but he'd been in there knowing That God had never let go of his hand. And we came out of it holding that hand too, stronger, more compassionate, able to offer comfort. Able now, at the end, in verse 10 of that last chapter, if you look at it, able now to pray for his friends because he'd been to a place where he saw God as he was, as his father who wants to bring change and bring life into our lives. So when we're experiencing discipline through suffering, it is motivated by God's love. And by our sonship, by our daughtership with him. But he also gives us perils, doesn't he? Potential perils that we might make light of it or that we might lose heart. So we shouldn't write it off As being, oh, it's just life. Stuff happens. No, actually, not what. Not why is this happening. Or just stuff happens. But Lord, what have you got to teach me? How do you want me to change? How can I be more like you? And the experience of God's discipline and suffering produces things in us it produces a different life it produces a refined person how much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live and truly live live in the light of the knowledge of God and the knowledge of his love our fathers disciplined us for a while as they thought best but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness that we may be more like him. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but later it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Righteousness and peace go together, don't they? You know, when you're righteous, that you feel that peace? Is that the only place where you feel peace? is when you know that you're in the arms of God. And sometimes God will use things that happen to us in life to draw us back to him, to remind us of that righteousness and peace, that holy place, when we stand before him and just reach out to our Father. We don't hide in the corner. We don't slip in at the back. We don't feel somehow disengaged with what's going on. But we stand before him and can worship him. What a fantastic relationship that is that 's the relationship that God wants you and I to have. Now I, uh, I met a, um, a top swimmer once, um, kind of accidentally, and uh, he used to train with Duncan Goodhue. Uh, the the bald swimmer who won a gold medal uh years ago and his name was john shorthouse unfortunate name but there you go uh and he used to train with him and he did everything the same as duncan Couture did they were training together in the english swimming team the british swimming team so uh, and he watched what duncan did and he would do the same so he'd eat the same he'd train the same He'd run the same distances. He'd go to bed at the same hour. He would try and emulate the life of Duncan Goodhue, and they would swim together in training, and he would win just as much as Duncan Goodhue did. But when it came to the competition Duncan Goodhue always beat him. Now instead of losing heart over that, I say, well, that's not fair. I'm doing all this. Thought now what does that teach me? About how I should change And what it taught him was that actually Duncan Goodhue won gold medals because of what was in here All the rest of the training. Yes was enabling and preparing But actually the thing that made him succeed the thing that won the prize Was the motivation and desire in his head And, you know, we can sometimes be a little bit like that in church. We can come along and do all the stuff, go to all the meetings, sing all the songs. And actually, somehow, we feel that something's missing. And actually, it only really starts, we only really claim the victory, when actually it's in our heart as well as in what we're doing. So for John Shorthouse, it was absent in his head. Sometimes for us, it can be absent in our heart. God wants to draw us to that relationship Which is totally built on trust and love where we know we're going to have hard times Because we're living in a fallen world We know that christians will be persecuted. God doesn't hide that from us He tells us all about it from old testament all the way through god hasn't changed. He's flagged it up It's going to happen, but i'm in it with you. I'm going to use it for good I'm going to change you I'm going to draw you close to me, and we are going to have this relationship that I want with you because it means more than anything to me. It means Jesus dying on the cross for you who didn't know me, didn't want me, but I wanted you. So the discipline of the Father is motivated by his love for us. Hallelujah. I'm going to play you a little song now. You may find it a blessing to you. I hope it does. Um, And it's about, it was written by a lady called Laura Storey,